Ciao and welcome to 15 with Fosca, the podcast where we talk about Italy, all things Italian, and taking the leap to make your dream of building a life for yourself in Italy or in the U.S. a reality. Sometimes it'll just be me responding to your questions or talking about topics that are of interest to Italy lovers in general, but often I will be hosting special guests who will work with me through the intricacies of Italian culture, share their stories, and discuss the challenges and triumphs that have accompanied them on their paths to Italy. Since I'm also your U.S. insider in Italy, we'll be talking about how Italians can best prepare for their academic and cultural journeys to my home country. So thank you for tuning in to Ask Fosca's 15 with Fosca. Cominciamo. Buongiorno mondo. I couldn't be happier to be starting my day chatting with Francesca Lupia, one of my wonderful former Stanford and Florence students who has chosen to make Italy and Florence her home, at least for now. Francesca is one of those students that stood out for me from the moment we met in spring 18 when she arrived in Florence with openness and curiosity for her quarter abroad. In fact, we had been in contact before she came because she was hoping to do an internship while in residence. One thing led to another, and thanks to Stanford and Florence's relationship with an amazing not-for-profit called Cospe, she began working closely with the Chinese-Italian community, in particular with young people. That internship and her time in Florence impacted her deeply and truly changed the course of her life forever. But we'll hear more about that when we get to her bio and to our Q&A. Francesca, before introducing you to our listeners, I would like to thank you not only for taking the time to come and chat with me today, but for having taken the time on so many occasions over the years to speak about Italy and Italian culture in general with me and with newly arrived Stanford and Florence students. I've always appreciated your generosity and candor and truly value your opinion as a scholar, an anthropologist, and as a friend. You and I have had so many memorable conversations about the many contradictions of our adoptive city and country and also about the U.S., <laughs> and I have no doubt that today will be no exception. And so, listeners, let me formally introduce today's guest to you. So, Francesca Lupia received bachelor's degrees in human biology and Italian from Stanford University in 2019. During the 2019-2020 academic year, she received a Fulbright grant to conduct research on the social and academic experiences of Chinese youth in the Italian public school system. As a graduate student in anthropology at the University of Perugia, she has continued her research on migration, diversity, and educational inequity in contemporary Italy. Francesca is currently living in Florence and completing her master's thesis, which reframes and expands her Fulbright research in light of the profound societal changes wrought by the COVID-19 pandemic. Francesca will also be beginning a PhD program at Florence's European University Institute this fall, and she'll tell us a bit about that in a second. In addition to everything else she does, Francesca also enjoys building connections with the Florentine community as a language instructor and a linguistic and cultural mediator for Chinese immigrant families. So without further ado, I would love to just sort of dive right in and start our Q&A. Great, I'm so excited. Okay, cool, I'm excited too. So I'm gonna start with a really big question. Okay. Um, when, where, and how did your relationship with Italy start and where are you now in that relationship? Um, so I obviously have an extremely Italian sounding first name and last name. So I was growing up in the Midwest with the name Francesca Lupia. And I think because of that, uh, Italy was always something that was both fascinating to and a little bit frustrating to me because I think like many Italian Americans uh, in the 21st century, I didn't grow up with a lot of connection to Italian language and culture. 
Uh, on my father's side of the family, my great-grandparents came from Italy to the United States in the early 20th century. Uh, they unfortunately both passed away before I was born, so I had very little connection with Italian immigrants in my family. And I remember having a music teacher in elementary school who would ask me every so often, like, oh, Francesca, do you speak Italian? Um, and my answer was always, no, unfortunately, I don't. Uh, and it was something that I always wanted to have more of an understanding of, more of a connection to, because I knew that this is where one part of my family had come from. Um, but unfortunately, due to the customs at the time, my immigrant relatives had chosen to not speak Italian with their children uh, because they believed that it would keep them from becoming truly, in quotation marks, American. Uh, so unfortunately, that connection to the language and culture had been pretty much lost by the time my brother and I were born uh, in the late 90s. Uh, but it was something that I always felt uh, a little bit of an urge to learn more about. Uh, I had kind of grown up with a very romantic view, as I'm sure most Americans have, of Italy, of the food, the culture, uh, just the warmth of Italian people. And so when the opportunity presented itself to study Italian uh, in college as a first year at Stanford, uh, I jumped at it. And I then kept studying the Italian language and culture. The Italian department at Stanford was truly wonderful. I had a lot of amazing professors who really encouraged me to develop this interest that I had had ever since I could remember. And so in my junior spring in 2018, I decided to study in Florence for a quarter and really just was thinking of it as a, a, a one quarter experience, 10 wonderful weeks that I would have in this beautiful city, and then sort of go back to the life I had envisioned for myself in the United States. And uh, as you've already touched upon Fosca, things did not go that way. I arrived in Florence and really, it sounds like a cliche, but from the first moment that I got here, um, I was just, I was blown away. I was in this sort of almost like a dream state the first couple of days that I was here. I remember just after arriving in Florence the first day, uh, I went from my hotel, which was by the Boboli Garden, uh, up to Piazzale Michelangelo, up to the steps of San Miniato al Monte, the little church that's overlooking the entire city. And I was just sitting on the steps for, I think, a few hours, looking down at the city and feeling this... Um, this, this excitement and this energy that I couldn't really remember ever having felt before. And throughout my time there, I just really became more and more sure that this city was going to play a really important part in my life going forward, that I had found this kind of magic, this kind of connection there uh, that I really wanted to last for more than 10 weeks. And so, uh, as you mentioned, after I came back to the United States for my senior year, I decided to apply for a Fulbright to continue the work that I had begun conducting through my internship during my, uh, my quarter in Florence. And I was able to come back to Italy and continue this work with uh, Professor Maria Omodeo, who was my supervisor at COSPE. Uh, and as I began my Fulbright term, I, th I think I still was really tapped into this very, um, very, very rosy, very positive uh, view of life in Italy. It was just this it was, it was like a dream, really. I mean, I, I felt like I was living this kind of reality that was so different in, in so many wonderful and beautiful ways uh, from what I had lived before coming to Italy that it, it's still, I feel like my feet hadn't really hit the ground yet for that entire time that I was there. Um, and then uh, the pandemic arrived in Italy 
uh, halfway through my Fulbright term. And it was really, it wasn't entirely out of nowhere, but it certainly wasn't what I was expecting at the beginning of my Fulbright experience. I think I had had a little bit more uh, forewarning maybe, or a little bit more of an idea that it might come to Italy because I was working with the Chinese Italian community. And because uh, of course the, the outbreak originated in China, I had many acquaintances of Chinese origin who were in contact with friends and family members in China uh, while the first lockdowns were occurring there who really had this idea that it was a lot more serious than people in Italy were thinking at the time, that this was something that had a very real possibility of arriving in the rest of the world, that we should all be taking precautions. And I think that that idea sort of hadn't really fully formed in the minds of a lot of Italians, also in the minds of a lot of people I knew back in the US. Um, and so uh, it ended up unfortunately happening as members of the Chinese community had feared that Italy was very strongly affected uh, by the COVID pandemic. And so because of that, I uh, had to go back to the United States and um, I really felt, uh, it, it, was very, it was very upsetting, very sad to leave behind this um, really magic that I had found for myself in Italy. Um, then as we'll talk about later, I uh, returned to Italy after several months of being in the US to start this program, to start this master's program at the University of Perugia. And that was a very different, I think, phase of my relationship with Italy. Uh, both because, I mean, it's undeniable that the effects of the pandemic, of the lockdowns that Italy was experiencing, um, really reshaped, I think, my ability to connect to the country, to the people, the communities that I was living in. Um, I arrived in Perugia, which is a smallish university city, right as the second wave of national lockdowns was occurring. So I had been there, I think, for two weeks. I was just starting to get out to meet some friends, and then uh, the, the entire country was plunged into another lockdown. So I spent most of my five or six months living in Perugia, essentially unable to leave my apartment. And I think that's... Uh, that is where my feet touch the ground a bit. It's where a bit of um, maybe the, the less rosy side of living in a completely different country, culture, you know, across an ocean from my family, from most of my social connections really set in. And I did start to feel a lot of loneliness, of isolation, maybe some aspects of the frustration of living um, in a completely different cultural context. And that has definitely eased up as, uh, as the pandemic restrictions have eased up. As I've, I've moved to Florence, where I knew a lot more people than in Perugia, uh, and where there's a bit, uh, I would say, a lot more opportunities for young people, especially, sure. to find um, professional opportunities to make connections. And, uh, but ever since, I, I really think that um, living in Italy during the pandemic has somewhat changed my outlook. I mean, I still love Italy. I still love Florence. Uh, it's still a, a magical city. And I still sometimes go up to the steps of San Miniato al Monte, like I did on my very first day here and look out at the city and sort of feel that same sense of wonder. Uh, but I think that having had to make my way here during that period of extreme isolation, of extreme disconnection, um, definitely, I think, opened my eyes a little bit to the challenges that I was having as an outsider, um, as you know, a, a non-native Italian speaker, as a foreigner in finding connection and figuring out my relationship to Italy and also conceiving of it as a place 
that was not this, um, I mean, it, again, as I said, it is uh, a still a magical place. I really believe that about Florence, but uh, I have, I think, kind of seen it as this temporary destination in my life that was just so full of beauty and so full of wonder that I couldn't conceive of it as being the place where I was going to be somewhat indefinitely, the place where I was going to be living my life, not just the happy elements of it, but also the challenges, I think, of being a young adult, a young professional. And uh, I think that at this point in my relationship with Florence, I might be a little bit out of the honeymoon stage and into the stage where uh, it, I have a little bit more of a nuanced, complex relationship with living here. Um, there are definitely times uh, that I live here that are frustrating, that are isolating, um, that are, are challenging to resolve. And it's not just this, uh, this feeling like I'm floating two feet above the ground all the time. Uh, but I think that the, the real beauty and, um, and just warmth that first drew me to this place still make themselves known in a lot of beautiful ways. So I would say that my relationship is, uh, it's a little bit more, it's, it's more com complicated and it's more mature and it's not always smooth sailing, but, um, but I still very deeply love Florence and I'm excited to spend at least the next couple of years of my life here. So there's my, my long story of my, uh, my very love at first sight introduction to Italy and sort of my realization that despite all of its beauty, uh, it is still just a place where people live their lives and where, yeah. where I am building my life as well. Exactly. You know? And I'm really glad that you touched on that because it's something important that I try to convey, especially to students who are coming over here, yeah. is to be prepared to the, for the beauty, but for also the underbelly, right? And I think that you had such bad luck. Um, but in the end, it was maybe it was that sort of belief of the magic in, you know, some somewhere here, you know, that it could lead to something. So I guess what what my question would be to you now in the face of sort of all that adversity. Right. And even when you were back in Michigan, when you were you know sent away from Italy, Italy was on lockdown. Nobody knew what was going on in the world. No. So you could have made easier decisions, right? So you could have, you know, you're a Stanford graduate. You could have just said, I'm going to go get my PhD. You and I even talked about this. I yeah. mean, you know, while you were still in Florence, if you would have an academic career. And I just assumed that you would stay in the States and do the typical path, you know, the traditional path to academia, whether or not you decided to end up in academia or not. Yeah. So you made this first decision to enroll in a public university in Italy. And that is actually something that I don't know that a lot of people do. So even though your experience was unorthodox because most of it was at a distance, et cetera, could you just tell our listeners a bit about public university in Italy, even stuff like the cost or how it works, the size of classes, Absolutely. what program you were enrolled in, was it in English, was it in Italian, all that good stuff? Absolutely, yeah. So uh, originally I kind of stumbled into this uh, master's program more than anything as a means to an end. I, as I mentioned, had been very suddenly uprooted is really what it felt like from where I was living at the time. I was living in Arezzo, which is a little bit outside of Florence, beautiful little city. Absolutely. I still uh, have a lot of warm feelings toward it. Um, and just in the span of a couple of days, the Fulbright program had sent us these, uh, these emails that were very urgent that were saying, you know, you need to leave Italy as soon as possible. And so really in the span of a couple of days, I had to pack up 
everything that I had. I had to, you know, make my goodbyes as much as I could to my life there. And I wasn't sure if or when I would be able to go back. So it was, it was really devastating for me at the time. And I think I knew when I was back in the United States that my heart was still in Italy, that I had work there and relationships there that I, I wasn't done with yet. And I wanted in any way possible to find a way to go back and continue to do that. So when I was thinking about doing a master's program in Italy, it wasn't because that was necessarily what I had planned for myself beforehand. Uh, it just seems like the easiest way to get back to Italy, to have a way to be there legally. Um, as a, we mentioned uh, before we started recording, uh, despite being of Italian origin, I'm not an Italian citizen and I'm not eligible for Italian citizenship through descent because my great grandparents naturalized as American citizens before my grandfather was born. Same situation, which exactly. is funny. Because which is, yeah, every time I go to the Questura, they see my Italian name and surname and they say, oh, you know, have you thought about getting citizenship by descent? Yes, but unfortunately, it's not an option. Um, so, yeah, I was really just looking for a way to honestly get, get a visa and be able to get back to Italy and continue my research and, and build my life there. Grazie mille. Thank you so much, Francesca, for such a great talk today. And thanks, as always, to my listeners for tuning in to Ask Bosca. Arrivederci e grazie mille ancora. 